Welcome to QRD Radio, everybody. Today we have Jason Young. He's a cartoonist who I think I first met in 2009 at Space. He was my at my neighboring table. And I think if he hadn't been there, I may have stopped doing comics. He's an inspirational force, doing comics at a high level. Um, he's a friendly dude. He just encouraged me to think my own comics are worth doing. And uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for being a positive force in my life and a decent human being all around. Jeez, I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, but thank you. <laughs> so yeah, you, uh, your most famous, I guess, comic is Veggie Dog Saturn, um, which you were doing at that time. I think that the one you did that year, that wasn't Jason's quest, was it? Or it was? Um, I don't know. That might have been Jason's quest was number three. I think this was number two that I just put out, I believe. And had, would, did that one get nominated or did that one get a plaque as well or no? No, I think, I think, uh, I think, I think number three and four both got nominated for space prizes. Came in, came in first runner up. Yeah. First loser, which I'm happy with. Yeah, you should be. I mean, like that's uh, very few, very few people are the first loser of anything. You know, there's really there's uh if you think about it, there's just as many people that got the uh, second place plaque as the first place plaque. So, yeah, so just as well off as every as as the winners. Who nobody remembers who the winners were at this point. So, so it's like they're the living legend. That's right. So, yeah, yeah, you're. That space was the first convention I ever did. I didn't. I don't know if you knew that or not. I had no idea what to anticipate. Like, I had no idea if there was going to, like, you know, if I was going to sell a hundred books or zero books, it was probably right, right, right in between those two numbers. Yeah. Um, but mine was closer to zero, but, and you were also doing the podcast at that point, the gutter trash podcast. And, uh, you had a CDR of, of I believe, all the episodes recorded up to that point, and so uh, I listen. I listen to that. It's weird because, like, with the podcast stuff like that, and maybe you've you've come to realize this some um, over the years, but it's like there's people that they think you they know you a lot better than you know them because you're sitting there on the podcast uh, telling stories about your family and personal life, and they're all taking it in, but you don't know anything of you you aren't taking anything back from from the yeah. typical listener so it's like a the weird weird relationship kind of yeah yeah especially i had the same experience doing autobiocomics i had a couple people talk to me that i'd never met and you know they know about you know like childhood stories of mine and my friends and relatives and like yeah it's like like kind of a one way kind of a voyeuristic relationship with your readers yeah 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 you don't um so i guess i guess that leads into what kind of comics it is you do make which are uh autobio books mainly you've done a you've done some other stuff since then but at that time i think that was that was really all you'd all you'd been producing right yeah pretty much i think i did a couple of 
comics based on songs I liked, but yeah, everything else was autobio. I don't know. I don't know who are who my listeners are, but like, if you don't know about comics much, so like, the autobio is autobiographical comics that uh, so they're generally you know like kind of voyeuristic vignettes. Um, Harvey Picar, I assume, is the most famous as far as as anything goes. So I mean. The Ghost World guy, I guess he's kind of doing autobio comics in a way, but they're not true. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, is he is he ever Dan Klaus? Is he ever in his own books, or is it just like veiled uh, versions of him? Yeah, I mean, I don't. That's what I don't. I don't know. Like, I haven't ever officially heard anything as far as like. Oh yeah, no. These are true. These these are about him. Uh, like I've never heard a confession that yes, these are true stories. But there's somebody I I met that claimed that uh, Ghost World was based on somebody that Dan Clowes was friends with that they also knew that it like the vinyl the the shellac collector instead of vinyl collector. Most stories that anybody tells are based on. Somebody or some experience that they've had. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't come from the ether, you know. What's his name though that you like? He also does the autobio, uh, Brown. Oh yeah, Jeffrey Brown. And he's a uh, he's pretty he's pretty famous. I mean, uh, yeah, he's kind of moved autobio to a part, you know. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Brown is like Star Wars, Thor, and stuff like that. Oh really? He's doing like 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 legal ones or the bootleg ones? Oh uh, no, like yeah, like he's he's done stuff for uh, Scholastic or not Scholastic, but whoever does the uh, the Disney owned kids books, like he did a oh, four hundred. Wow. Like it looks great. See, see, I read his Wolverine one where Wolverine accidentally kills Kitty Pride or whatever. That one's amazing. Yeah, but like I didn't know that he was being licensed to uh to do those things that's yeah good for him him. he deserves it the wolverine one was like a underground thing he did just for fun but yeah now he does like you can at barnes and nobles like uh the historic pokey book he's done great you currently did brutaliza recently um which is not not autobio is there a reason you feel like you've switched over or well, the last few things I, I did were not autobio. I I worked with my friend Matt Brassfield on on a, a project that he wrote co wrote with me based on uh, an eighties toy line called Defenders of the Planets. And then I, I just decided to do this because out of the out of frustrations for just things going on in the world and just, you know my way of dealing with my own uh inner angers, I guess, towards certain morons in the world. I decided to do this book where this lady just goes around. Well, she doesn't go around killing Klansmen, but she gets accosted by some Klansmen, and then they just they get brutally murdered by her, which was very cathartic to me. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things that's funny, because I I've actually live in the South, but I do find that, like, you know, parts of 
Ohio, Pennsylvania, even New York State, that it's um, it's what people pretend that the South is is really like you know these these other places have have it just as much, if not more so, than the actual South, which is you know it's interesting. I mean, I'm literally driving through Georgia right now, but I, I haven't I haven't spent much time in the South since I was a kid. I live in Ohio, so hard for me to judge but i do see a lot of like just closed-mindedness racism in ohio frustrated because i thought we'd evolved past that but apparently not yeah yeah it is it is the way it is you know i mean like in in a way too i feel like sometimes in the south where it's like it's open that racism is a problem like that makes it less of a problem in a way than, you know, like places where they pretend that there isn't any, you know, oh, I at see. least, you know, at least to admit that there is an issue is, isn't that supposed to be one of the first steps? Yeah, that's true. Is, is there a 12 step program for bigotry? Um, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you could start one, right? Write, write a comic about it. That'd be good. Oh, yeah, because uh, closed minded racists often read, uh, yeah yeah oh oh you know what you should do draw it in the family circle style oh yeah wait that's not what it's called what is it family circus family circus and and i guess all the buggies gas stations across america yeah or you could do it in the style of uh god's cartoonist oh gosh god's cartoonist uh jack chick yeah that'd be great I saw I saw one of those uh, a pile of those I forget if it was in Georgia but on the way down to Florida I've been in Florida for a week parking uh, on the way down there I stopped I think in Georgia at a Taco Bell slash KFC and they had a stack of those at the register like like clearly employees knew they were there they were like waiting oh the yeah edge. it wasn't like how normally you find them in the bathroom or like it was like on the, the, the back counter in the post office or whatever. Right, it was right, like right there with the uh, card reader. And, you know, I was like, "What?" I, I I was waiting for the employee to turn around. I I thought of just throwing them all in the garbage, but I didn't. Then you knew you had to read them first. Well, it wasn't the actual like cool ones, the Jack Chick style drawn ones. They were like, it was like more generic looking, like some church just made them. So they, they didn't even have that kitschy factor. It was just like. Oh, so do you think they weren't actual Jack Chick? They were like knockoff or they were still his uh, corporation? Definitely not that same company. It was like some local church made them or something. And it wasn't like hand drawn. It was like, you know, those, those, like those photos you see on the billboards of like, you know, airbrush Jesus. Uh, yeah, them. yeah. So it was like a track, but it wasn't like a. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It just looked like complete garbage. I was like, why would they give this away? Could I give away yeah. a, an atheist jacket? Yeah, I mean, I feel like probably the the owner of the franchise goes to that church or something. You know, that's how that gets there. But not. Yeah, I don't know. Like everybody should be able to believe whatever they want, but to like 
force it on you or like hand it out when you're just trying to get a meal is just that's just I don't know. Kind of gross. Taco Bell is already yeah. heavy. I'm like, get on the think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean and you know interesting because it's like if you said it was at Chick fil A or whatever, it's like, well that goes with the branding or whatever, you know? Right. Um, but uh yeah, I mean but yeah, Taco Bell is all franchise, so it's the local a local owner making that decision or whatever. So I also think see like, you know, you continue to work on comics. You're not doing anything where you're like trying to be Yeah, I don't want it to be my day job. I'm just doing it ever you know, whenever I get a chance. It's weird. There's these different tracks for art people where it's like you can become this craftsman who's paid to make comics or you can kind of choose to like do your own thing and way harder to do your own thing long term you know and to build that relationship where you're like i don't really care if people read this i just want to make something good yeah yeah uh probably my hero in that regard is john porcelino he's he does King Cat, and he's been doing it for decades. I'm sure his readership's pretty big comparatively, but to other mini comics. But there's no way he's, you know, he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it yeah. Year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's a that's a thing. I mean, you there was that period you took like uh, two months off or something to try to work on comics more hardcore right oh i took it i took it a year off what did you get what do you all did you get done in that and what you what do you feel like happened there as far as you leveling up or or realizing well, you didn't want to level up or whatever you want to say well i decided to work on a graphic novel so the first couple months i i researched it and wrote it and then i began drawing it and i got 30 pages completely inked and lettered, drawn, and everything. And then around that time, my best friend killed himself, so my brain kind of went off track. And uh, I, I kind of never went back to it, just started gradually working on other things. I'm not, I'm not trying to blame, you know, that mm-hmm. incident for me not finishing it, but my brain just kind of unplugged. I lost my momentum. Do you think you will finish it then eventually, or you're you don't? It's like you're not that into it anymore. I'm definitely not like it, but I, I kept it. Uh, yeah, I I know I find you know like occasionally somebody will ask me about you know because I was writing all those uh, episodic uh, pieces and it's like I have haven't done an episode in like five years and people are like. Hey, so when's the next issue of this thing from five years ago coming out? And, you're, and I'm just like, I'm not even sure if I can get back in the right headspace to continue it anymore. You know? Yeah, um, it's hard to, it's hard to do. Like, I'm sure it's uh, you know, a lot easier for somebody who works monthly on a on a comic, but yeah, it's hard to stay in that rhythm when you do one a year or one every couple of years, but. Yeah, I, I agree, though. I, I enjoyed some of those, like Just a Man and some of those other ones. I, I really enjoyed some of those books. But I can see how it would be hard to jump back into it. Yeah. 
we did do a couple collaborations too. We did, I think we did four. We did the, uh, we did like a, a tribute to Cerebus piece. And it was funny because I sent it to Dave Sim and, and it was, it was called, I think, Cerebus Reflection. It was about like, you know, uh, Cerebus reflecting on his life, you know, in the latter days or whatever era. And, uh, Dave Sim yeah. said it was it was an inaccurate depiction of Cerebus because Cerebus does not reflect on himself in that way. <laughs> which, which, I mean, part of the thing with that is I'm a big Robert E. Howard fan, and I always looked at Cerebus as a reflection of Conan. And then uh, when I talked to Dave Sim, he never actually had, like, maybe it's changed at this point, but he said he'd never actually read any of the original Robert E. Howard Conan stuff. He, oh, um, yeah, he just read, um, you know, he'd read some of the Marvel comics of Conan. Yeah, yeah, he was. A, I think he was more of a Barry Smith fan than a Robert E. Howard fan, so he just liked yeah. Barry. Yeah, and he was a great yeah. artist. I, I understand. Yeah, it's it's just it's interesting to me that it's like, I mean, I guess because I'm obviously more of a writer than a than a drawer that um that i was i'm always more interested in the the story part like you know like don't get me wrong like kill raven when it's not drawn by p craig russell is not really kill raven i'm more forgiving on bad art than i am on well let me rephrase i'm if the if the panel layout and stuff like that is good, we consider that a part of writing, even though the artist often is who makes those decisions. Like I'm I'm totally yeah. fine with with the actual figure drawing or whatever being flawed as long as like the story is compelling and has flow. Oh yeah. No, if somebody who is really good at drawing comics, telling stories, broke their hand. And just taped a pencil to their hand and uh, still use their storytelling skills, but just kind of scrawled out whatever. I, I would read that much easier than uh, you know somebody who's just bad at storytelling, but is a fantastic artist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, so then we also did uh, we did that the cops and crooks lit, which. Uh, Originally, I had this grand vision for that story that it was uh, a Grendel knockoff, that it would be the story of like uh, a drug dealer rising to be a kingpin of crime, um, coinciding with um, like uh, a cop with a with a kid the same age as the uh, as the. as the person rising to be a kingpin it would like parallel like those two lives you know this kid that this cop son that also becomes a cop and you know with but uh is is it's a uh, it's a good idea but somebody somebody else probably should do it instead of me um like it's from sometimes yeah yeah no i think it worked and it like it trans it transformed from that initial idea into just a one shot, and it worked as a one shot um, to me, you know. Yeah. But, uh, like it, it was fun, and then uh, and then. Uh, it kind of reminds I, me of. Uh, 
Have you have you read uh quick side note, have you read Night Hunters by uh I I forget the guy's name, Azeret or something like it, Azeret. Um but yeah, Night Hunters that came out of a couple years ago is about two brothers in this kind of like dystopian future and one of them um is like a rebel against the state and the other one's uh kind of like a military style cop and they end up you know kind of having well going they, back to head yeah it's a really good book if you haven't seen that it's i think you'd like publish that um it was a really small company i'm trying to remember it was like I think it was the company that did Space Riders and Black Mask. I don't know. It might have been Floating World. Like, it was one of those like indie books. Okay. But yeah, Night Hunters. It's really good. Yeah, that like your description sounds like something I'm, I would both read and or write. Yeah, it was, it was a great story, great art. Yeah, and then uh, we also did the... Uh, Speaking of great story, great art. We did the Veggie Dog Saturn thing for you. Like it, in the intro to it, it says that the whole thing was my idea, which I didn't even realize. Where it was like uh, that, I, that I guess at one of the conventions I was talking to you about, like, oh man, we should do a, you should do a Veggie Dog Saturn, where it's like Ultimate Veggie Dog Saturn, and you have other people draw it or or write it for you or whatever, and then uh, and then that came to fruition that you had other. I guess you wrote the stories and other people drew them, except for since I can't draw, you had me write a story and then you drew it. And then uh, you rejected some of my scripts. So then I then I drew those and released them on my own as Ultimate Veggie Dog Saturn. Yeah. Kind of weird. Well, it was funny because the one you wrote, like without your knowing it, sort of hit, hit some notes that on a, that, something that happened in my personal life with an ex-girlfriend and uh and it was like kind of dark and knowing that personal story would have been it would have been weird if, if somebody who knew me and knew that story read your story uh even though you didn't know the thing i'm not gonna say <laughs> i don't know it was really weird it was like somehow you tapped into something and uh yeah and the thing that's funny about it without revealing it all is my story was basically a knockoff of, of a, one of the scenes in the Max. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it would have uh, taken on a, a meaning to, at least to my ex-girlfriend, that would may have been, or may not have actually read the comic. Yeah, well, she, she yeah, we're still friends and she still reads my books. So, but it would, it would have been weird because I think she would have read something into it that was unintended so i was like well i gotta i gotta reject that because <laughs> that'd be kind of fucked up for no reason well I, once again i just want to thank you for all you all you've done to encourage me to keep working on the books over the years and you know being a uh, a model for me to be inspired by and follow in a way for continuing doing the work despite like you know sometimes low interest or what have you and worrying about doing good work and not worrying about like what people say or what sales are like or any of that gibberish. Well, that's awesome. I, I mean, like no, no joke. Your stuff is definitely, it, it was invigorating to see, uh, when I saw you in space, I forget what artist you were traveling with, but you had so many of these books. I was like, this is crazy. I'm, I'm going to 
I, I want to have this much output. I want to have this kind of catalog. Yeah, yeah, because that well, that was uh, um, Melissa that that drew the early issues of EXO was there with me, and that was actually the time that I met her. Because what had happened was I was doing these autobio comics, and they were getting some good reviews. And there was one review that was like, my format is you know that they're the size of a pack of matches, single panel on each page, and I'd gotten a review where somebody was like, these are really cool. But it's good that he works in this autobio format because this format wouldn't work for any other kind of story. I kind of took that as a challenge and uh, I contacted a couple people. I always had my comics as animated GIFs as my profile picture. And she just read one of my comics like that. And she was like, this is amazing. Let me know if, you, if, if I could work with you sometime. And I like sent her a script the same day because I had just like written it a couple days earlier. and. And it just like all kind of magically, magically happens. That book, EXO, like I have found somebody that says they're interested in starting to draw it in a similar style. I've probably got like 30 or 40 scripts for that thing sitting around. I envisioned it to eventually hit the overarching Grendel, Cerebus style story where it's like, I'm telling you this grand narrative you know but uh at one point i was like well i was thinking about writing just releasing them as a releasing it as like a almost like a poetry book right you know you you've read what my the way i do my scripts is basically i write them as poems and then uh and then it goes from there and so i was thinking about i've been thinking about doing that too i'm told uh Warren Ellis did something in that style at one point in the 90s. Um, yeah. I, don't I don't know much about his work. I've read it. He's never really, never really hooked me like, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like his writing about comics is is maybe preferable to the actual comics that he writes. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, there's nothing of his that I can think of offhand that I've really been blown away by, but except for the books I have that are a collection of his blog, you know, like where he's just talking about the creativity process and all that. And to me, like part of what makes that really, really interesting is like, I mean, it's just like, like Dave Sims guide to self publishing. That thing is a, a life changer. Like his part where he's like, okay, get out a calendar start writing your goals down then as you as you progress instead of writing writing your goals only write down what you completed in a day you know and it's like he's like if you had a day where you didn't get anything completed you're not allowed to go to sleep yet yeah. you know that work ethic you know like there's 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 that myth that if you're doing something that you like doing that you know you never work a day but it's like if you're doing something that you like doing you actually work really really hard ceaseless hours every day it's funny it reminds me of uh one of my favorite bands the melbourne uh i heard an interview with the singer guitar player King Pippa, and he, he he talked about people you know work 40 hour a week just at their job he said there's no way he could accomplish anything if he only works 40 hours a week at his job or 
and he said he doesn't see how anybody can get anything that they want to get done if they only work 40 hours a week at their job. He said, even, you know, he's like, if you, if you're, especially if you're trying to do something creative, he's like, you got to put at least 60 hours a week into that creativity to get anything done. I was like, well, yeah. and it, it, it's hard for, it's hard for people to do that when they're starting out because you obviously aren't getting paid to do your creative job and you, you, know, you can't pay your bills doing 60 hours a week of drawing. But I guess once you get there, once, you know, once you get that ball rolling, yeah, you got you to put a lot of time into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, part of the reason I haven't been doing, wasn't doing as much creative stuff the past couple of years was like, when I was running the, when we were doing the coffee shop hardcore, I was literally putting in a hundred hours at the building every week. So, you know, it's like, like, I like to think I have decent work ethic, but that was still like kind of over the top. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I I do feel that's part of why you're, if you're going to do something as an artist, you're, you're really, um, you really can get a benefit starting young enough that you don't have to do anything else. You yeah. know, like all, all the people I know that are truly uh, intuitive guitar players or whatever, they all started playing when they were in high school and they did have the ability to hold a guitar for a hundred hours a week. Right. Yeah. I, I've kind of, I've kind of just drifted to another path where I'm like, especially I'm, I'm 46. Uh, I work full time job and I have a second side job, so and a toddler that I'm raising. So I'm like, I've, I've kind of gotten okay with the idea that I'm just going to be creative whenever I can, and uh, it's no longer my life's goal to be this, you know, some artist whose work is out there. Like as long as I'm doing it and I'm a good dad to my daughter, I I am more fulfilled than I think if I was Jan Faust or Robert Grommer. You know, Julie Dose, whoever, you know. Yeah. Well, in my my current era, I'm working uh, about 48 hours a week at a day job. And then, um, you know, maybe 20 hours a week at the uh, part as a part time job at the uh, new uh, version of the shop that we have, me and my wife. Um, And then, uh, but then um, I've been putting out like a ton of creative output because at my day job they have like a mandatory they have the it you know like the bell whistles and it's like mandatory break time and so i'm working during those mandatory breaks and it's like in the past six months i've put out like five or six eps of music that i've been working on Figured, I figured out ways to work on music on my phone. And so I um, work on the music during the 15-minute breaks, the parts that I can do on my phone. And then during the longer 30-minute break, I'll break out my computer and do the, the EQing and mastering and stuff for them. And so it's it's been really interesting. Like, And I'd forgotten about that because I I haven't, been employed by somebody besides myself in a really long time now and it's like 
um, like to me, like the the best way to become a professional artist, it's like step one, find a job that has downtime. Yeah. Step two, work and set down. <laughs> yeah. Because when when you're working for yourself, I never gave myself breaks. And I feel like in a way, like I, that really was to the detriment of my businesses that if I'd given myself breaks, I would have been a better self-employed employee or whatever. You, know, you, didn't, you wouldn't have burned out on it? Well, I mean, I feel like I would have been more productive. Yeah, like more productive doing the other stuff if I'm if I took the breaks to reduce or whatever. Uh, that that is is what it is i'm i'm actually i've been taking notes i haven't done any auto bio in a long time just to bring it back to mm-hmm. what we were doing earlier but um i've been doing this side job for a year now where i travel and uh i do these comic shows this is, i just did my temp one in a year so it's almost you know almost one a month and, uh, I've been taking notes at every show, and I'm going to do eventually uh, an auto bio story about about that. Probably after I do a couple more shows. Yeah, I um, I have some material. Like I had some material that you you probably forgot about it. That it was supposed to be you and Nate McDonough drawing them. That they were called Small Town Tales, and it was just like like observational stuff about the town that I was that I lived in for from I guess like 2013 until like a couple months ago and you know I felt really weird when I was still living there felt really weird because it would be like you know there would be like weird stories about like the grocery store clerks and stuff when I was still living there I was like oh man what if one of these people actually reads it and whatever uh, it's a danger of autobio, yeah. But you know, like you say, like now, like do it, and uh, now I feel like I could do that, and uh, you know, or if you change things just enough that it gets the message across, but it doesn't implicate any anybody's true identity, I, I think you're fine. Well, I think also like with almost all of those stories now, like most of most of most of the scripts that I wrote are like from three or four years ago and it's like you know those those people don't even work at the grocery store anymore if i'm getting somebody else to draw it you know and i'm not giving a description of the person you know it's like you know it's not going to look like them anyway so right it'll uh it'll naturally work itself out in that way yeah. yeah, we'll try. I'll see if you want to draw it. I'll try and get some. Stuff get like some that. S- I don't draw it, I'll definitely read it. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, but yeah, man, thanks so much. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk to you another time on, on the show. And uh, Thanks for having me and uh, for uh, being a, an awesome fellow and creative force in your own right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, rock on. Bye.